can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense, and 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Welcome to Mile High Magic. I'm Nikki Chapala here with Michael Spencer. Um, this is our new All Broncos podcast. We're going to be doing this twice a week, so you're stuck with us. Um, <laughs> but let's get started. Michael, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. I think there's so much to talk about with this team heading into the 2019 season. So uh, lots to get to and excited to be doing this uh, twice a week. Yeah, lots happened. This has been yes. like the longest training <laughs> camp preseason ever. Uh, I think it started, what, July 18th? Yeah. Right? The um, Hall of Fame game. Hall of Fame game. Woof. Three other preseason games, and we still have one more to go. Um, just keeps going. And you can tell, like, it's it's kind of getting to the players at this point, right? Like, we complain about it a lot. We're at Broncos headquarters a lot. I think the guys are ready to go, and I think they've been that way for the last couple of weeks. I think everybody associated with the Broncos is ready to get going and ready to get to regular season games. I wonder, too, how how this might impact them through the course of the season because the season itself is a grind, and then when you've had the extra 10 days of training camp, I, I hope this doesn't come back to, to be a negative um, for this team moving forward. I think Vic Fangio has kind of done a smart thing where, you know, he, he he sat out the veterans for the last game and he will for this final game of the preseason, but he's kind of also been smart with the scheduled intro. They have enough rest time. He has one practice a day. It's longer, but they're not back out mm-hmm. on the field. So I think he's been cognizant of the extra days, but you're right. I mean, you can especially see it with the veterans who who know what this grind is. The The young players, the newcomers – a lot of them are there trying to get jobs, so they're more concerned with that than just, you know, staying healthy through the preseason and camp. But, yeah, I, I think it could get interesting, especially if they face adversity along the way. And I think they're, it's inevitable that they will because this is a team that is, whether or not Joey, John Elway likes to admit it, they are in a rebuild mode of sorts, right? So... It's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. But I think we've learned quite a bit about Fangio, his staff, the starters even too. Right? Yeah, I think I think you know if you start with Vic Fangio, I mean, he came in and, and obviously I think the most notable thing and they got a lot of pub here in Denver was the different feel around training camp. There was no music. It was kind of no nonsense. You mentioned the practices were longer. And I think that was kind of his way of, of setting the tone. The thing I like about that, though, was everything that he has done kind of made sense, right? You know, I mean, they switched. They're now wearing more game-type jerseys during practice. He had a reason for that. Didn't want guys holding and getting used to that with the maybe the loose jerseys. Went with no music during practice. Said, hey, look, we're not going to be having music during the games, right? Plus, we want to be out here coaching our guys, not necessarily yelling at them, but coaching them up. And so I think he's come in and and he knows this is a really big opportunity for him and probably his last opportunity as a head coach. I mean, if things don't work out here in Denver, it doesn't look good for a guy who has waited 30 plus mm-hmm. years to get this job that he'll get another opportunity if things don't work out. That's probably not going to happen. So I think that, that he's the right guy for this team right now. Um, and when you look at this team kind of moving forward, I think they like what they have in Vic Fangio and what they like what they have in their new quarterback in Joe Flacco too. 
Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And not to completely oversell a head coach before they play a regular season game because a lot can change if you don't win. But I, I think one of the more interesting things about Fangio is all these changes that you mentioned from the game jerseys, the no music, to incorporating more kicking and situational in practice. These are all things that he's been wanting to implement, that he learned from previous stops that he thought, you know, maybe better if we do it this way. But he, he didn't really have that authority as a coordinator or assistant. So he's finally getting to implement them. And I, I think one of the interesting things that I've seen is you listen to this guy, you watch how he interacts with the players. It's maybe similar to Wade Phillips in that he seems like somebody who wouldn't be able to relate with him, but he does so so easily. There's that respect factor, even though he's a first-year head coach. He's been doing this for decades, and the teams he's built, the defensive units he's built, um, speak for themselves, and players recognize that. But he just has that it factor to the point where you're like, how the heck did this guy (laughs) not get a head coaching job till now? Like, I mean, even the other head coaches respect him. There was a, a story out today of, you know, Shanahan's coaching tree and, a lot of those guys say Vic Fangio's defenses were the toughest they face. So why is he just now getting this opportunity? It's wild. Yeah, me. it is really wild. I think it's a really good question. And I think we'll find out here in the first couple of weeks whether whether or not he's ready for this. I think he's ready. I think you think he's ready. But as you mentioned, the the real work begins week one against yeah. the Raiders. And they got to win football games in order for all this stuff we're talking about to really matter. And this is a team that's won just 11 games over the last two years. Obviously, they bring in a new quarterback in Joe Flacco. And I think he, along with Fangio, are going to have a big, big hand in determining where this franchise goes in the 2019 mm-hmm. season. One of the things I thought was interesting was when I talked to Vic during OTAs, I asked him if all the coaches he brought on his staff were his first choices. Did he have to settle for anybody? And I wasn't looking for names there, but he said no. He got all of his first choices. And, and you look at the guys he got, it's it's an interesting group because you got Mike Munchak, who was the other head coaching candidate that was kind of the leader of the group with him and, him and Vic. So they got their one and two options there. Um, you got a first-year offensive coordinator who's learned in the you know, behind Tom Cable and the Shanahan system. Um, you got a defensive coordinator who won't be calling the plays on game day, but he's you know a, a disciple really of Vic Fangio. And, and then you got all these positional coaches who Vic really believes are good teachers first and foremost. So I thought that was interesting, and it kind of speaks to this mentality that they have now where. I don't think anybody in the building is expecting a complete turnaround overnight. You know, they'll tell you about plan A and wanting to win a Super Bowl every year, but they know these changes are going to take some a while, especially with the offensive line, mm-hmm. the offense as a whole. So what yeah. can we reasonably expect from this? I think think? that's the big question, and I don't know – that I feel terribly comfortable about this offense going into week one. We saw them a little bit in preseason. They've had some – it's almost like you get deja vu when you're watching this team, at least on the offensive side of the football, because you look at their two preseason games, the ones that they had against the Seahawks and then the one after that, and they were one for five inside the red zone in those games. And you're like, oh, my gosh, if you're a Bronco fan, you've seen this movie before, right? Our team gets good field position thanks to our defense and then can't get the ball inside the end zone. Now, obviously, the first-team offense wasn't on the field for all of those drives, but they only put up six points 
in their fourth preseason game against the Rams. So that's the big concern about this offense is, and again, the first team offense didn't even play in that game against the Rams, but can this offense put up the points? And with this defense, I don't think you need them to score 35 a game, but if they can score 21 a game, then you're going to be competitive. But I'm not sold that they can score 21 points a game right now. Yeah, my my concern right now is the depth because we saw you know one or two series from the first team and it looked relatively efficient they need to finish in the red zone but then as soon as they move to the reserves it's a whole different game I mean same on defense too I remember that one play where they they brought all the starters out the remaining starters that were in the game on defense this is against the 49ers as soon as they came out the reserves gave up a 38 yard gain to the 49ers and I'm like this is going to be a problem (laughs) like uh, in every phase I mean special teams is a you know, a different beast in and of itself, but offense, defense, the depth concerns me, especially if, you know, one or two of the key starters gets hurt. Where does that leave them? If, you know, Joe Flacco goes down for any reason, do you have any faith that one of these guys, be it Kevin Hogan, Brett Rippon, or Drew Locke, whenever he's healthy, is able to win a game? I don't yet. <laughs> the offensive line, if any of the key guys, if Ron Leary isn't able to play Juwan James, to me, that's where they're going to run into trouble. Yeah, and you talk about the quarterbacks, and I think that's going to be a really interesting issue that they run into here in the next couple of weeks. And Vic Fangio was kind of asked about it today. Have you seen enough from either Kevin Hogan or Brett Rippon, who he's barely seen any of in terms of game action? Have you seen enough to feel comfortable with one of those two guys going in as your backup quarterback this year, knowing that Drew Locke is going to be sidelined for at least a little bit longer with that thumb injury? I think they're going to have to bring in a guy who is familiar with this offense and a guy who's a veteran because I don't think that they feel comfortable with either one of those guys going into the regular season as a backup to Joe Flacco. And then you mentioned the offensive line. Obviously, always questions there in regards to What are you going to get if somebody goes down? And I don't even know that you have to worry about somebody going down. I think there are still questions about what they're going to get out of left tackle Garrett Bowles. And obviously he's had his issues in his first two years in the league. You know, I thought it was really interesting. There was a moment he was caught on the sidelines with Ryan Clady um, prior to their game against the Rams. And Ryan Clady, obviously a guy who will probably be a ring of famer here with the Broncos and was on on the offensive line for a while. And he was saying, look, I'm a different player now. Bowles was to Clady. And I really like, I feel like, really feel like I'm going to take next step forward this season. The Broncos need him to take that next step forward because if he doesn't, they're going to be in a world of hurts. Absolutely. I mean, there was one game where he had the, the holding penalty that negated Emmanuel mm-hmm. Sanders 45 yard completion. And, Vic Fangio, a couple days after, went on the defensive and said, actually, that wasn't Garrett's fault. That was the tight end. I I think it was Troy Fumagalli at the time. But the point is, if he has a penalty like that, whether it's his fault or not, that changes the entire landscape of the game. If if his technique gets off, if Mm -hmm. his confidence gets down, if it snowballs, they're going to be right back where they were. And something different for this franchise, one position that they haven't had to worry about for the last couple of years, at least not going into the season, was at center. Because you knew Matt Paradis was going to be the guy, but they've had issues with Connor McGovern there. And and what can he bring? And, and will those issues kind of rear their ugly head again? We've had some issues with snaps in practice. Um, is that going to be an issue on game day? I think there's, there's some concern there. And if those things 
start to pile up, this is not a team and not an offense that's talented enough to recover from those issues. When you think about it, the rookie, Dalton Reisner. Yeah, he's maybe, the guy you feel most solid exactly, about. Exactly, exactly. Ron Leary, I'm concerned about his health, his knee. Uh, Juwan James, every other season, he deals with missed time mm-hmm. because of injury. It's a real concern. I think it puts a ton of pressure on Mike Munchak because – as this renowned offensive line coach, I think some people are expecting him to, you know, make miracles happen. You can only do so much with what you're given. Um, so him and Rich Gangarello as a first-year coordinator yeah. trying to remake this offense after the last three years, it's a huge challenge. It's a lot on his plate right it's now. It's funny you mentioned the word miracles because I was thinking the same thing, like – Mike Munchak comes in and everybody just expects him to be the savior of the offensive line. He's not playing. There's only so much that he can do as a coach. There's only so many times that he can drill with these guys in order to make them try and produce on Sunday. So I think Mike Munchak, as you mentioned, was a great hire and obviously a guy they considered for that head coaching spot. But that's a lot to ask of a coach to come in and turn around that offensive mm-hmm. line when there are some issues there with the personnel. Well, he didn't correct Pittsburgh's offensive line right. overnight. Um, that took some time. And there are some similarities in that he kind of took like this, you know, miscast group of characters and really turned them into, you know, pro bowlers in a, in a line that played cohesively. And I think ultimately that's a goal in Denver. Whether he can do that with the pieces he's been given, we'll see. But it's that's that's a huge part of this offense and whether or not they'll be successful. I want to go back to the quarterbacks though, because you mentioned how they might need to bring in a veteran who's experienced in, you know, the Shanahan type of system. There's not many out there. No. And then you wonder, you know, are there going to be any decent ones that are available, mm-hmm. you know, after the rosters are trimmed? Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at like, okay, what happens with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard in, mm-hmm. in San Francisco? Because obviously that's where Scangarello was last year. Mm-hmm. Those are guys who know the offense. Those are guys who have started NFL regular season games. Nick Mullins beat the Broncos right. last year. So if, you know, I, and I don't know how that's all going to shake out in San Francisco, but is there somebody like that, even if it's not Nick Mullins, is there somebody that Rich Scangarello has worked with, somebody who's under that tree of Tom Cable and Kyle Shanahan and all those guys who can come in, who's got experience as an NFL starter, who the Broncos feel more mm-hmm. comfortable with? I think that'll be really interesting mm-hmm. to look for as we go into the weekend. I think Kyle Shanahan did tell reporters out there that they do plan to keep three quarterbacks just probably smart. <laughs> um, <laughs> Giving but, Garoppolo's yeah. history, yes. But you go back and look at the the teams the Broncos have faced in preseason. I mean, they got, you know, first-hand looks at a lot of guys who could be available in the coming days. You know, you wonder if any of those, you know, maybe they were taking more notes on. Um, quarterback in other positions, too. Like, you know, one of the guys I look at is that Richie James in San Francisco, mm-hmm. their returner. I mean, the special teams has been, for the most part, a disaster for not just this year, but last year, yeah. too. I mean, they're still dealing with all the same issues. You know, the punter is inconsistent. They're not great in coverage. They have no returner. They have not had a reliable returner since Trinidad Holiday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's wild when you think about it. Omar Bolden was probably the last good one, but he 
couldn't stay healthy. And that's one of those areas, too, where you look at this team, and obviously they haven't had a lot of success over the last three years since Peyton Manning left, just 19 wins in that time frame. And special teams was a big part of that. I mean, there were so many times where the defense would make a good play. I think back to that Patriots game a couple years ago. Defense goes three and out, and then they muff the punt, and the Patriots take over and are in a really, really good spot right away. And, and that had a huge impact on this team the last several years. Their struggles on special teams directly correlated to some of their losses. So you talk about the offense and having some questions there. Don't sleep on special teams. You're good at kicker, right? You know that. But that punt return unit and that coverage unit can go a long way in determining how this season's going to play out for the Broncos because they have not been good in the preseason. That Patriots game was epic. That was bad. That was the tri- that was the special teams trifecta. <laughs> I remember that. It was just one major mistake after another. I I mean, we talk about coaches that have been under pressure, but Vic Fangio has not hesitated to really put it on Tom McMahon and, and really say bluntly after games, it's unacceptable. Yeah. It has to be better. He did say this past game he felt like it was a bit better, but – I mean, you're still seeing missed tackles. You're still seeing shanked punts. I mean, it's still a lot of issues. If it weren't for Brandon McManus, <laughs> they'd have a ton of issues in that phase. Well, and I think that's one of those areas where you're looking at, obviously, the final rosters have to be set on, on Saturday. I think that's one of those areas where, uh, at least to cut down to 53, they could look at guys on the waiver wire because Vic Fangio said earlier you know if there are guys who can't get this done we may have to put starters on the special teams units and obviously the Broncos don't want to do that nobody wants to do that so if you're in that bottom 10 in terms of maybe you're number 40 on the roster right if you laid them out one through 53 if you're 40 to 53 you got to be really good at special teams and they don't have a lot of really good special teams players right now so that's an area that they're definitely going to be looking for that being said all right, we got issues on offense. We got maybe some issues, some questionable things on special teams. I feel pretty solid about this defense moving forward with the exception of one spot, and that would be the inside linebacker yeah. spot. Which is kind of surprising to me. I mean, that is Vic Fangio's specialty, right? They obviously passed on the opportunity to draft Devin Bush. I think everybody's wondering if that'll come back to haunt them. But clearly Vic saw enough in their current group and thought, you know, we can make this work. I think... Probably part of that is the fact that they're a nickel so much. Mm-hmm. So you have one starter who you know can rotate with reserves, and it's not as big of an issue to have two, you know, three down backers who can do it all. Um, but they didn't draft a true inside linebacker. They added Justin Hollins, who uh, they're they're training to play outside and inside. And they didn't bring in any new guys really uh, outside of their college free agents to compete at inside linebacker. Not even when, you know, three of their top guys were injured at one point, which I thought was interesting. So I do wonder if they're going to move forward with the reserves they've had and that right now that is Alexander Johnson, Keyshawn Bieria, and Josh Watson. Or if they're going to scour the waiver wire, you know, after rosters are trimmed and, and try to find more help that way they don't have much cap space so you know a waiver claim is probably their best they're going to be able to do outside of a trade yeah and i add help 
and obviously the injury there, you know, to Todd Davis, that's one mm-hmm. where initially it was a partially torn calf. He thought he'd be back in three to four weeks. That has kind of lingered on, and he has not progressed in the way that the Broncos thought he would, and I think that's going to be an issue. And when you look at this team the past couple of years, teams have teed off on this defense because they have targeted the inside linebackers. Mm-hmm. They've done it with wide receivers, or excuse me, running backs. They've done it with tight ends, and that is how teams have really exposed this defense. So that's really the one spot that you're going into thinking, okay, they could have used an upgrade there. They didn't do anything. Now they've got the injury to Todd Davis, who you thought was going to be one of their starting inside linebackers. They still haven't done anything. Thank goodness you feel good about the other 10 positions on that defense. I mean, and some of those you feel really, really good about. But that's where people have made their money going up against this Broncos defense. So I'm with you. I'm a little surprised that they haven't done anything in order to try and compensate for that. And and I think that could be one area that you see them either try and do something on the waiver wire. And if not, offensive coordinators are going to be trying to expose that once mm-hmm. the real games start that Monday night in Oakland. I think one of the critical pieces of Fangio's defense, though, is his versatility in players and how he moves them around to disguise his looks. And I think... You know, certainly the secondary and the guys he has back there play into that. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of them pretty much can play at least two positions, if not three. Um, he's got Hollins, like I said, playing two linebacker spots. Jamal Carter is interesting to me because they decided to let him play inside linebacker pretty late in camp. So he had limited time to kind of prove himself there, but he's still quite capable of playing mm-hmm. safety, and he's still big on special teams. So that's a three-position player. Do they keep him, not necessarily because he's their best inside linebacker reserve, but because he th- fills three spots? He's he's a wild card to me, I think. I absolutely think that he'll be on the 53 because of that. Not necessarily because he's the best linebacker, not because he's the best safety, and not because he's the best special teams player, but because he does all three. And I think that weighs really, really heavily in his favor. So I think that'll be a a guy that I would put him probably as a for sure on the 53. That being said, I also had Zach Kerr as a for sure on the 53 going into training camp. And then that obviously changed on Monday. I had Zach Kerr and Dakota Watson on my 53. So disregard my last three 53 man (laughs) roster projections. I was surprised by both of those cuts, those, those coming on Monday. And I think they, from the Broncos perspective, they looked at both of those guys. They looked at both of those positions and they saw some young guys who have some real potential there, but I was still pretty shocked that both of those guys got cut in the same day. I was surprised more by Zach Kerr, but I also, on the flip side, I'm more surprised at the rise of Demarcus Walker. When the, yeah. when they first started, I thought, you know, Demarcus Walker is just going to get edged out. It's going to be, you know, another wasted pick. He's a second rounder. This is going to be brutal. This is a guy they spoke so highly of, but he seems to really fit the scheme. They know how to use him. Whereas, you know, in the, the last two years, they moved him to outside linebacker because of injuries, and that really screwed with him. Moved him back on the line, but never used him. But he seems to fit this. I mean, they use him as an interior rusher, and he's quite good. I mean, look look at the pass game for evidence mm-hmm. of, that, of that one. And they obviously feel like he and Mike Purcell and Deshaun Williams have shown enough to make them feel comfortable with getting rid of Zach Curtin, saving some cap space, of which you know they sorely need <laughs> at this point. Um, but I... I 
we spoke to a lot of the guys today after uh, before practice actually, and they said those those moves were a real wake up call. Um, they obviously know how this league works and how it can change instantly, but Holland said it was eye opening, and uh, Deshaun Williams said uh, shit got real. Yeah, so. They know this, you know, they have a lot to prove. And everybody knows for the guys on the bubble and for the young guys that this is coming, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think Von Miller's sitting there sweating cut day. I think he's okay. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. Philip Lindsay, too, and Joe Flacco, whatever. We know the guys that will probably be fine. But I think for the rest of those guys, for maybe the 40 other guys inside that locker room right now, that was a big, big wake-up call for them. They know Saturday's coming. They know Friday is really kind of the day where they get the phone calls. But I think that was like, wow, this this just got real, you know, as, as Williams put it. And so I think that was an interesting kind of takeaway from Monday's practice that mm-hmm. it was the business part of this is kind of hitting. We've all been in this grind since OTAs and since training camp started. And now all of a sudden it's business and guys that you're sharing a locker next to may not be here when you come to work on Sunday or Monday. Mm-hmm. One of the things Vic Fangio has said throughout, you know, his time here already is he's looking for the best combination of players. Yes. He wants very good players, but that he doesn't want to just pick an all-star cast. He wants, a group of guys that work well for the system and that work well together. That, of course, goes back to Jamal Carter. But there's other circumstances here, too, that the Broncos now have to consider with. The injury to Drew Locke, Mm -hmm. the injury to Janovich, the injury to Joe Jones. How do you think these are going to affect what they do with their initial 53? And in that 53 on Saturday could be a different 53 yes. by Sunday. <laughs> I think it's going to have a big impact because they're going to have to figure out what they want to do in terms of IR and who they want that guy to be, the guy who's designated to come back after eight weeks. And, and is that Drew Locke? And then what do you do with your quarterback situation? Do you keep a guy, you know, for now and then cut him once you see a guy go through waivers that you really like? I mean, what do you do there? So they're going to have some guys who are injured who make that 53 and that's going to hamper them in terms of other guys that they could have used roster spots Mm -hmm. for. So I'm with you. I think it changes a lot between when it's finalized and when they go to work uh, to start preparing for the Raiders. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's, there's some serious concern there and they would tell you it's no different than any other team in the league, but it certainly feels a little bit different Mm -hmm. and feels like it's, a little more than most other teams are going through right now. And the tight end spot is another one too, where what do you do with those guys? You got four of them, you know, they're almost, I mean, you you don't ever want to wish an injury on anybody, but the Broncos almost lucked out because of what happened to Fort and what happened to Bug Howard, because it made that decision a little easier for him because Mm -hmm. there were guys who were being pushed for their jobs moving forward. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how this team comprises its 53 man roster and then see how it changes over the 24 hours to 36 hours after that. Drew Locke is the key one for me because, you know, he's not going to be ready for the start of the regular season if you want him to be able to be recalled after the first eight games, you have to put him on IR after the first 53 is formed. So he has to be on the 53 for the week one roster, which means you're going to have to cut one of the other two guys 
Hope he clears waivers. Um, I don't think Kevin Hogan has practice squad eligibility left, but Brett Ripon certainly does, and they paid him the salary of a practice squad player already. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how they handle it. The other part of that is if you do put Drew Locke on IR, he can't stand out there at practice like he has been observing. So all of his rehab time will be in the training room or you know in, in meetings or using the virtual reality that he's been using. He will not be allowed to stand out there. And in doing so, do you further hinder his development? Um, that's a question they're going to have to answer and decide if it's a risk they're willing to take. Um, the other one is, is Janovich. Um, there was talk, you know, probably more among media than anybody else of, I mean, could they possibly keep two fullbacks as bizarre as that sounds? Would they even consider that? I mean, that's, that would seem odd to me. Um, at this point I, I could see them, you know, you just keep Janovich on the active roster and he returns after whenever he returns. I don't expect him to be out eight games, which would warrant putting him on IR. And that's why they brought in Orson Charles, who can play H-back. And, and let's see how we do with that as kind of a, a stopgap. And George Aston, you know, if he clears waivers, add him to the practice yeah. squad. Um, I just think having two roster spots dedicated to fullbacks would would be a, not great. It seems, it seems, <laughs> not great. It seems silly, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, come on, in this day yeah. and age... I mean, they're, they're one of yeah. only a handful of the teams that still use uh, a fullback. But Janovich is a guy that I think, you know, when he got injured, there was talk, okay, well, could George Aston maybe replace him? And do they cut Janovich? And I don't think that's going to happen at this point. I don't think they've the, seen you enough. You can't from, lose Janovich. No, He's one can't. of your best special yeah. teams guys. So um, right. And so, so I think his spot is safe. But then, yeah, what do they do there? And do they really start the season with two fullbacks on the roster? That just seems yeah. and, seems and so if you do keep Orson Charles, like, what does what that else? mean for the other tight ends? Right. So right. Are, are they going to make do with, you know, the keep four tight ends and, you know, have them kind of fill the gap in there somehow? Um, maybe. But I never thought I'd say this, but this last preseason game against the Cardinals, whose defense is led by none <laughs> other than Vance Joseph, um, this is an important game. I mean, not for the starters, obviously, but in, in terms of the future of the Broncos, a lot of guys have a lot to prove. And I mean, we've seen this play out before where, you know, a player can have a great game in the last preseason game and make the roster. I mean, Jordan Taylor yeah. was the, yeah. one of the, you know, more well-known ones. Um, so this this week is is big for these guys for the team as a whole. Too. I I think no doubt there will be a job that is won and maybe a job yeah, that lost. is lost on Thursday. And I think especially when you look at guys who are special teams players, you know, and and is the punt returner on this roster right now? I don't know. I mean, I think it feels like the backup quarterback and the punt returner aren't on the roster right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so can somebody? Prove me wrong, you know, whether that's Kelvin McKnight or, you know, you thought maybe it could be Nick Williams. I think he kind of saw the the writing on the wall there and actually asked for his release Mm -hmm. on Monday and was one of the three guys the Broncos let go. But can there be somebody that can really separate himself and and earn himself a roster spot Thursday night against the Arizona Cardinals? We'll see. We'll check back in in a couple days. I'm sure we'll have a little bit more information over, you know, guys that are on track to make it, guys that are not. And we'll look into it there. Monday night in Oakland. Monday night. Coming soon.
We're on to Oakland. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining us. This is Mile High Magic. Be sure to tune in. You can also find us at theathletic.com slash Mile High Magic. And we'll talk to you soon.